All right. I'm at the Red House with Max Miller, a.k.a. Different. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank for you for having me. For driving way down here. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> it's a pretty day. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to get the chance, I think, to, to really learn a lot about you, I suppose, in this, because we, we're meeting each other for the first time. And we That's right. Di- we haven't gone too far into mm-hmm. just kind of getting into the early Tried not the to. Early stuff. I tried to, actually. I tried to get into it, but you stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> just sit down in front of a mic, I guess. Yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Um, I, and I, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I guess it kind of works out well because uh, I guess I guess those who aren't familiar with you will will get the same opportunity to learn about you at the same rate that I will. So sweet. Maybe that'll work out well. Hello, everybody. Yeah. So uh, why don't we start with just what your relationship is with music at the moment? Oh man, at the moment. So really, my my main thing right now is I'm the senior producer and educator for Notes for Notes. At uh, We, we rec- build recording studios around the country for youth to use for free. And that's kind of my main like nine to five job um, in music is working in a recording studio in High Point and, that we just finished maybe like two months ago. And uh, I spend my days there teaching the ABCs and one, two, threes about being an artist and making music from creating beats and writing lyrics to release and, um, you know, a little bit of music business and how to organize events and things like that. So I'm a, I'm a musician myself and a producer myself. And, um, you know, in that I also, (laughs) I also organize a couple of festivals, um, in Greensboro. One of them is, uh, for ACE university and the other is uh, my own music festival called Little Big City Festival. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I kind of have my tentacles in a lot of different areas when it comes to music nowadays. So um, there's kind of a lot of opportunities that uh, I just kind of say yes to. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So let's stay in the here and now for, for a second. Mm-hmm. So uh, notes for notes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So you said that this program is available to kids for free. Is that what you said? Yeah. So it's a it's a nonprofit uh, where we have studios around the country from New York City to L.A. And um, we've got uh, just under 30 studios, I think, of kind of various sizes and shapes. And they're all staffed by uh, producers like me. And a lot of them are in after-school program situations like boys and girls clubs and rec centers and things like that. So basically kids get out of school and have a a free recording studio to go to. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, we, we put out, um, tons of songs and, uh, we just actually finished like a nationwide album that every, every studio kind of got one of their all-stars and, you know, submitted an original song and they all got mixed and mastered and that's getting pressed to vinyl and everything. And, um, we have a bunch of really great partners and sponsors. Like we, we partner with Gibson and we're, we just finished a studio in partnership with Sony out in LA. That's going to kind of focus on like film scoring and uh, we partner with the Les Paul Foundation and Hot Topic and all sorts of awesome companies to help put these studios together. And, and of course, you know, nice individuals who donate some money and things to basically provide, you know, a place for 
kids to come and like express themselves and learn how to express themselves and sometimes get things off their chest that they don't get to, you know, maybe at home or at school or, you know, it's just kind of a music is such a different medium than I think a lot of kids get exposed to regularly. So it's a nice place for them to come and, you know, unwind and see what happens. Mm. Yeah. That sounds pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty rewarding and it's really cool to, to see, and hear some of the stuff that the kids talk about. And, you know, really, I've been doing it, I've been working for them for, you know, maybe about four or five years now. And it, it really just kind of put into pers- perspective kind of how like grown kids actually are. Like, you know, they, I feel like they, they think like adults and talk like adults. Maybe they don't have the experience maybe that, you know, adults do in life, but uh, some of them do. Um, and so it just kind of really provides them a chance to like have their own voices heard um, when, like I said, maybe, you know, mom and dad don't listen in the same way or a school counselor, maybe they're nervous about telling the counselor at school that they got into a fight because they don't want to get into another fight or something like that. You know, this gives them a chance to you know, come in and, and not only express themselves, but also get someone like myself to help them navigate what words they're putting on paper and what words they're putting out into the airwaves and things. And, um, you know, how to just be a little more creative sometimes in their, uh, word selection, um, rather than just, you know, dropping a bunch of F-bombs and, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty rewarding day and, um, probably you know one of the best jobs i've ever had outside of just playing music i guess (laughs) i mean i imagine when i was in high school or middle school like something like that would have meant the world to me and been an amazing thing to to sandbox with you know and you Mm -hmm. actually i guess you answered one of my questions it sounds like if they're if they're dropping a bunch of f-bombs i'm guessing that they kind of have creative liberty to actually really explore stuff without it being too confined yeah yeah there's definitely you know them being in boys and girls clubs and this one's in an actual like high school for the arts you know there definitely are some boundaries that we try to you know we try to adhere to just so they don't get in trouble in any type of way with you know them being youth and stuff but as as far as like just censorship as a whole we try not to censor them that much you know Mm. like i said maybe kind of help them steer in a different direction when it comes to word choice. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can express adult themes or, or how you're feeling without necessarily saying it in one type of way. Um, you know, you can, you can talk about maybe, uh, gang violence in your neighborhood without necessarily like glorifying it. Um, and instead maybe talk about how to you, it, it has affected you negatively or, or it's affected a family member or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we try not to censor them as much as we can, really, uh, and um, just try to, you know, but still at the same time, allowing them, to, you know, to use their voice in a in a good way. So um, they also own like 100% of the masters of all the music that they make in the wow. studio. So they just get to come in, make it, have a producer there to help you, and then they walk out the door with you know, finished product that they can do what they want with. Make We help them make music videos. You know, we talk about, like I said, how to release your music properly. Notes for Notes themselves. I mean, we put every song up on like on SoundCloud just to get it out there. I mean, we have, I think, 2,500, 2,600 songs up on. Holy this. hell, man. Yeah from, yeah. from, you know, over a decade of the company being open and studios all across the country. We definitely have quite the number of singles <laughs> that's so wild and yeah. I, so so you said you've been with them for a couple of years so is this the kind of thing where 
I guess, is each studio creatively sort of able to embrace whatever uh, artistically seems to be flourishing in that in that particular area? Is it kind of uniform from studio to studio and city to city? Um, there, There's definitely some uniformities. I think it's mostly in the sense of what genres are popular nowadays. Um, you know, we don't have a whole lot of metal bands coming through, I suppose. Um, we don't have a whole lot. But, I mean, we do, though. I, I recorded, when I was working in Denver for the studio, we had a, a youth metal band called um, Astral Tomb, I think. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in a lot of the... A lot of the areas that we do put studios in um, have certain dif- demographics and, you know, uh, economic situations and things. So uh, we definitely probably most put out like hip hop, R&B, pop style songs. Um, and then, you know, we do have studios in Nashville. So there's some country singers in there. We, you know, we had uh, some good talent down in Atlanta uh, for country as well. And um yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 really up to what the youth wants to do. Um, you know, I always encourage in my studios, like, try something different. Try something that would be hard. Maybe you don't like it, but, you know, we can at least listen to it and learn something from whatever genre it is. You know, if, if we've got a, a country singer who doesn't necessarily like hip-hop, well, here's some things that we can take from hip-hop that maybe relate to country, like storytelling. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you can take from, from everywhere. So, um, you know, we, we do put out, you know, as, as much as we can, uh, you know, that's, that's able to be put out. And so whatever genre that might take or whatever form that takes, I mean, we've, we've got studios that do music for video games. We have studios that, um, do nothing but podcasting kind of thing. And, Mm. um, they're pretty, all the studios are pretty set up to pretty much do anything you want. They all have, drum kits and guitars and keyboards and you know they've all got um laptops and uh, and mpcs and they've all got you know a mixing board and vocal booths and so it's it's kind of um it's one of those things where like as a musician when you open the door and you've never seen one like that you know for youth to use for free you're kind of like i wish i would have had this oh yeah that's like the unofficial motto of notes for notes staff is (laughs) i wish i would have had this when i was like 12 yeah uh because yeah it's just a playground in there so um yeah we put out a ton of stuff yeah my first recording experiences were like paying a dude uh, e- either either paying a dude like you know a hundred dollars an hour to just go mm-hmm. just go play acoustic guitar you know in a i guess in a room like this like yeah. a home studio uh-huh. uh probably a smaller room maybe at, like some of the first ones i did were up in a little town north of here like in the hills and it was just in, in a barn like a hippie's yeah. barn with <laughs> yeah. rugs everywhere yeah yeah and then other times it would be like my bassist just got a interface and it's oh, a two man. channel and he's oh, like man. hey man i can record you and you get them back and they just sound like hiss and thin <laughs> recordings but sure. you're like wow i got <laughs> I recorded <did> <laughs> you know yeah that's what it was like so yeah imagining uh Especially be like nineteen, and you're you're just a budding artist, yeah, uh, or whatever. Or I guess in that this case, like being fifteen, sixteen, and having that space and some guidance right, to, right. to not make horrible stuff. I would imagine that that artistically is super developmental for these kids as well. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely lots of social emotional learning. It's what we're calling it. I mean, it's what it's called, and it, you know, it, it is very like fundamentally. Um, 
develops the the kids into you know what we'd like to think is great adults great young adults um i mean the program that we have in high point uh it goes from sixth grade to 12th grade and so having for six years every day monday through friday coming into a 2000 square foot studio that where we run pro tools and ableton and have 10 different rooms you can all track from um you know and then putting your voice and your skills or you know your your instrument talents into the computer getting it mixed and produced and then hearing it come back out at yourself yeah really can do wonders for for some kids i mean mm-hmm. you know especially where might not be successful in other areas you know what i mean like the the arts are getting cut out of so many schools and in so many places as many of us know and you know to have something that's brand spanking new that's industry standard absolutely um to to use for six years and like it builds a lot of you know builds a lot of positive energy and um so yeah hearing that you've got this going on out there I know Stephen Price is out in High Point, who's like a very good recording engineer. I've heard that name before. And then uh, Guilford Tech is out uh-huh. there with their program. Mm-hmm. I mean, is is High Point kind of got a, a significant recording engineering community developing out there? I I don't think yet, but I think developing, it, it really does seem like it. I know that, and I think just kind of, um, and I could be wrong, but, you know, I've only been here for a couple of years, so could be the outsider in me, but... You know, out of Winston, Salem, and Greensboro, and High Point, the triad, you know, I kind of feel like maybe High Point kind of gets the least attention. Oh, sure. And Okay, cool. And so I think these things aren't the only things that are happening in High Point. I think High Point in general, arts-wise especially, is actually growing to not be some kind of competitor to Winston-Salem and Greensboro, but kind of its own thing. I mean, they've got furniture market that goes on there, but... You know, outside of that, there's this whole other 10 months out of the year that, you know, they'd like to have some stuff happening. And, you know, so I I just toured um, something called the Cohab, I think it was, which is um, I think it's they're they're some furniture folks, but they're open to venue and they've already had like Ghostland Observatory perform there or something like that. And I mean, they've got like a great um, music scene going on, like just within that venue. And then with us coming in to the school um, and us starting to hold events there at that studio. And like you said, GTCC having stuff going on. Um, Yeah. It just really seems like high points, you know, if if they were ready or not, I mean, it seems like there's stuff happening, there's stuff growing. So I'm excited to see what the next five years, you know, I've, I've only been here for, for two, maybe. Um, So you know, I'm excited to see what the next two years looks like. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then after that, I think your observation is right. I mean, I think, you know, Winston, uh, I guess with school of the arts and Winston mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. the city that calls itself the city of city of arts and then mm-hmm. the city of arts and innovation. I think Winston Salem has, um, been perceived as a place that at least <laughs> was supposed to have a different kind of art scene. And I, I it's, there's a lot of local mixed feelings about Mm -hmm. that, about what that means, about what that should mean Mm -hmm. and what it could mean. Um, so setting that aside, I mean, I think of Greensboro as a place that definitely has, you know, a a young population Mm -hmm. and like people doing sort of garage shows and basement Mm -hmm. shows Mm -hmm. and, and like a really organic scene. 
or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the musicians I've known out there have just been. They're, they're just. I get the sense that there's a real community out there. Um, High Point, yeah, being a, a a part of the a part of the community that I think gets totally forgotten about, and I think partially because of because of the whole furniture market thing. Mm-hmm. Like High Point's thought of as just that's like, oh that's just that's what they do. They got chairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got hella chairs. <laughs> yeah, and they they specialize in that and. I mean, when I was 19, we used to go play some rough bars out in High Point. Yeah. And there were people out there, but, yeah. like, God, the bars I used to play at were yeah, was, a was, different beast. Yeah, okay. You know? um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and so, like, so I'm originally from Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. which, you know, in some way, when I was growing up there, used to be kind of a small city. Um, very Greensboro-like. Very, very much, I felt like, you know, coming from a... I, I can totally see Greensboro turning into an Austin kind of vibe for sure. But I think with that, all the areas around Austin were, you know, get kind of consumed as the city grows in a way you kind of, all these other cities kind of start becoming part of this big con- conglomerate where it's no longer Austin and San Antonio. It's kind of just this one big long stretch of stuff happening. Um, and I can see probably something similar like that happening to the whole triad where, you know, more and more, it's not going to feel like a 30 minute drive from Winston to Greensboro or from high point to Winston or something like that. Like those, I think they're going to just start growing together just as more and more people start moving to this kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I could totally see that happening. Um, I mean, shoot, I did, but you know, so I think that if, you know, I think high point, bringing these things to high point and getting out of the, Oh, we've got chase lounges. I mean, and that might not be exactly what they're thinking is, but, um, having these things to do, like I said, won't, won't necessarily be like competition, but it'll provide stimulation to the area. It'll, it'll, I think over time, just keep improving. Isn't necessarily the, the right word, but, um, I don't know, just kind of keep growing culturally and stuff. I mean, if, if what, what used to be out here was just kind of dark, dark, dank bars or something like that, or just kind of rough, sketchy areas or something, you know, um, I think over time, those rough, sketchy areas, they could stay rough, sketchy areas, but people will go to do stuff because there's cool stuff to do there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, at least that's how I would see it. Before we carry on, I just realized that I didn't ask you if you wanted like cream or sugar or anything for your coffee. Oh, I'm actually great. This is exactly okay. what I need. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Uh, well, so I will mention that I absolutely love Texas. I love the Austin, San Antonio area. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought about moving there for a time, and uh-huh. I often just romanticize the idea of what if I had and what would life have been like. Uh, kind of wish I did, but... You know, plenty of good things have happened nonetheless sure. uh, since I since I didn't and and haven't stayed here. Um, but I'm, I might, you know, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk about Texas a little bit. But I'm wondering, as an outsider, uh, or as as an outsider, you know what I mean, as a new person here who's who's kind of newer to the community, what is your what is your perception of Winston from the outside? Have you spent much time down here? Um, yeah, I've I've definitely. Um I've been to like a couple shows out here, uh, the Ramcat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, there's an arcade here that I came to a couple of times because there's free pinball on Wednesdays. Is it Monster Cade? I'm or? a huge nerd. Uh, it's what's the other one called? Uh, uh, Rob Reboot. Reboot. That's reboot. the one. Uh huh. 
Um, I don't know if they're still doing the Wednesday thing. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, definitely, you know, I, I came out to uh, is the quarry out here, the kind of playground with the big overlook thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, you know, I've spent some time in Winston and as an outsider. Um, I mean, it seems it seems like uh, each one of the cities in the triad kind of has its own identity, I suppose. And I think that Winston kind of has its own identity now. And it's, I mean, calling it the, the, what did, what did you say? City of arts and innovation. Yeah. I don't, I haven't spent that much time here to, you know, comment on that part of it. But, um, I mean, it seems like, it seems like it's got stuff going on as well. Um, the thing that, that kind of, I guess I just don't hear a lot about it. Living in Greensboro, I don't hear a lot about a s- stuff happening in Winston-Salem from where I am. Mm-hmm. And it could be vice versa. I don't know. It could be, I don't know how much you hear about stuff happening in Greensboro or High Point um, living in Winston. But Yeah, not as much. Not yeah, nearly as much. Excuse me. And I think, you know, maybe uh, I am always more for like for communication and networking and stuff like that when it comes to... Um, especially like as a city getting more people involved in the stuff that you have going on, you know, um, reaching out and, and getting the people to come out. I don't know. I mean, um, I've heard stories of Winston Salem, uh, mm. as, like living, uh, friends living here for years and stuff. And, um, they moved to Greensboro. So whatever that says, yeah. um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have in the time that I've lived here, like have a lot of friends who still live there like in the two years that i've been here i feel like the people that i know most of them have moved away from winston-salem yeah um i don't know what kind of that situation is like but um yeah yeah uh, it's there's stuff happening i don't know I've, I've enjoyed it when i've come you know there's bound to be i my impression there there's definitely a cultural difference i think uh that is very noticeable between greensboro and winston-salem mm-hmm. and high point i can't even speak to, to much anymore mm-hmm. uh, and i did i went to, to uh guilford tech out oh, there cool. and uh enjoyed that but that was kind of my only little glimpse into what high point at least looked like from sure. a corner of high point sure sure never really immersed myself in the community greensboro and winston i feel like winston is like tries to be the uh the instagram sort of presentation of the southern city Uh it's like picturesque Uh and it looks kind of thought through whereas i feel like (laughs) Uh greensboro is a little more real in a way um and that's not to it's not to cast any whatever any negative vibes on my community because i i really like the winston-salem community but Mm -hmm. being from here i mean i've had plenty of conversations on this little show uh, that are sort of at least a critique of what it means to try to be an arts community down yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And obviously, we're in a we're an arts community where cost of living is pretty damn affordable, and that means that people typically probably aren't spending a shit ton of money on the arts. Uh, mm-hmm. They're probably like not spending a shit ton of their money all the time on stuff. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. like they're they're probably chilling a little. Um, so anyway, anyway. The point being that as a working artist, Winston can be hard because there's not like a ton of clubs. There's not a ton of shows to play. Mm -hmm. uh, And there's not a ton of patrons for the art. But it's a it's a quaint, calm community 
where a lot of artists at least live and can live cheaply. And I think for musicians, we can leave Winston. We can go play on the road and sure. come back to right, live right. in this affordable community. Greensboro, I feel like there's a just from the little bit of time I've spent there, it seems like there's more of an insulated thing. It seems like there's more, like I was saying, those early musicians I knew, uh, it seemed like they had more community around them for the thing that they did. And if we played in Greensboro, it was very common for us to after go play in a show, go to somebody's house and a bunch of people be there and gotcha. a bunch of people be playing music, which didn't really happen here as much. That is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I have now at this point spent the most time in Greensboro living there and everything. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it does seem, I mean, it, it to me, it feels in Greensboro, like curated as well, maybe kind of like you're saying about the the kind of aesthetic or vibe of Winston Salem. Like it, it does feel put together on purpose, mm. but I think that's because um, maybe there just it, there could just be more of an emphasis on the young population, the younger, more fun, vibrant vibe, or something like that. I, I'm not sure. Um, there's definitely a couple of names that I've heard tossed around who are like actively, you know, sprucing things up for good or bad, um, you know, areas and things and mm. trying to incorporate more of what you might see in other larger cities in a city like Greensboro. And that's really why I named my music festival what I did, Little Big City, because mm. it, it feels like the the city of Greensboro is just ramping up and aiming towards being like a large city that's right in right in between Charlotte and Raleigh that is right in the middle of the east coast it's like right in the middle of the state you drive the same amount of time to get to the mountains or the beach kind of thing and i mean i'm sure you feel those things in winston but it, it does i mean it feels it feels curated on purpose but maybe it happens a little more um it could, and I could be wrong, but it, maybe it does happen a little more kind of organically in Greensboro mm. In Greensboro. I mean, um, there's plenty to do that revolve around the arts, like tons of stuff the, to do. It seems like revolve around the arts every, every weekend there's community, uh, community theater Greensboro's putting on some play or, um, there's some little festival at a park somewhere, or there's definitely shows going on, you know, most nights of the week, you know, and, and it's not like, like in Austin, oh geez, like it, in Austin, it was every night of the week, uh, any time of day almost, you could go out and find live music in, in most parts of the city. You know, it wasn't necessarily like, I feel like Greensboro is a little more burrowed. Mm. Um, there's, there's definitely like areas that stuff is happening and kind of outside of that, maybe it's a little more sparse, but um, yeah, I'm just growing up in a city like Austin where you could go to south austin and do stuff you could go to west austin and do stuff east austin and do stuff like there and and it revolved around the arts it revolved around live music in mm. particular there's always live music. you could throw a stick and hit a musician <laughs> and you know so coming from that and living in greensboro it feels like that's kind of you know maybe not the live music thing but that's what they're aiming to to achieve in in the city is like we want a vibrant kind of hip um, type of type of city for more and more young people to move to, because I I definitely know a lot of people. I'm kind of the one of the older ones in the friend group now, um, the, and it's and it seems like a lot of people graduate college and stay. Mm. At, at least from my perspective, I, I know a lot of people who are college graduates from like A and T or UNCG who stay in the area to do things. Mm. Um, 
so and you could have a different experience with that but yeah it's very not like that in winston and that's um it's weird and and maybe maybe it's different for different schools like i don't think i have this conversation pertaining to uh to salem or to winston salem state Mm -hmm. or the piedmont or like the what was the bible college in town Mm -hmm. I don't really have conversations about those three, and I think it's because the ones with the brightest sort of uh, spotlight on them would be Wake Forest and UNCSA. Sure. Yep, yep. UNCSA and Wake Forest both, they just train kids up, and those kids like immediately leave and go to New York or yeah. like UNCSA. Yeah. They all go to New York or L.A. trying mm-hmm. to you know do that thing. And uh, in Wake Forest, obviously, they just go, they go anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think, though, and, and also those kids aren't really a part of the community while they're here. And that's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. And when I think about like UNCG, when we used to go play and be around spring garden or whatever, Tate street or whatever it was Mm -hmm. out there, it was really common for us to kind of be coexisting with UNCG kids. And it Mm -hmm. was very clear that we were, we were sharing the city or that Mm -hmm. end of the city with them and with like locals. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Winston, those kids, they're just, they've got their own little, tiny micro worlds that mm-hmm. they can exist in. They don't ever have to come downtown and be a part of the, the yeah. Winston-Salem community. So Dang. it kind of stands to reason. I think, I think they're trying to change that a little bit now with this neighborhood that's called the called innovation corridor in Winston where Bailey park is oh, they're okay. trying to build up sort of a part of downtown that it, it, it almost feels like what they've done is wake forest has sort of tried to start, sink in their claws into more of the downtown in a way that makes it really easy for Wake Forest kids to graduate from Wake Forest or even start working in the city while they're still attending Wake Forest. Gotcha. And then just kind of transition into the Wake Forest branded part of downtown. Okay. Still keeping yeah. those kids from really just jumping into being a part of the Winston Salem community that's already here, which right. is probably if anybody were to hear this why all of us resent all this like <laughs> deep town bullshit that's going on that like wake forest is putting these dumpsters and signs and different things around uh, the city that say deek town uh-huh. as if it's like it's winston like, salem takes pride in wake forest and we're like yeah, fucking no yeah, we don't yeah. like this <laughs> that's is like high point that's like high point university sorry yeah. high point university <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a lot like, like you see high point university stuff everywhere around high point. It's just like a purple city. And it's really interesting to me because look in Austin, it, it, like it was the university of Texas, huge university, like Wake Forest, huge university, but it really didn't, it really didn't though feel like there was longhorn stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it never, I mean, sure on campus and you know, a couple of blocks around that maybe, but yeah, there wasn't like burnt orange buildings and stuff like that. I mean, well, I guess they're all made out of like red brick, but um, yeah, you know, and and that maybe that has something to do with, like you said, like there may be some resentment and and people from the area who are like, God, there's just there's shits everywhere. Like, oh, I just got to get out of here. Man. They're everywhere. Um, it makes me wonder if if the independent arts communities are kind of like natural enemies with the higher education communities. <laughs> oh, bro. Let me tell you, bro. I, I totally see. So I am a teacher in a school, right? I'm a teacher in a school and I don't have a college education. I don't have a teaching certificate. I'm, I like did the rock and roll. I dropped down to college kids and <laughs> pursued music. And that's what I did. And now I'm a professional musician kids. <laughs> 
and uh, and it's and I there's such a huge education community out here. Like there's colleges everywhere, and at least you know. And I mean, I guess now that I'm in the education system, um, I, I just see just education things all over, like a big culture around education, higher education, and the way that I get side eyed. Or, you know, someone just kind of like, you know, scoffs at me or something like that when I say I dropped out of college to pursue music. Mm -hmm. I'm like already like down, you know, 10 notches from where they are because I didn't I didn't finish. I didn't get my paper. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, we're really on the same level. I mean, or I'd like to think so. You know what I mean? Like someone can totally be uh, educated person without going to college. Uh, I know, I know plenty of musicians who are extremely talented who didn't go to school for it. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, there, there, it definitely seems like there's this kind of upturned nose at, um, anything that isn't, um, you know, classical, anything that isn't kind of, um, folk or blues or jazz or like there's like a handful of genres that you have to be to be successful in some way and if you're not those then eh. and if you're just like an independent artist or something like that that's also like eh, well you're not really doing anything or mm -hmm. something like that it just that's the vibe that i've gotten from that um in particular um, i hear you i and i and I should not not to offer any street cred, but I, I should mention I didn't finish G GTCC. I also uh, there you go. left prematurely, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> and I'm with you entirely. And it's a uh, it's funny. It's not to it's not. I'm not trying to suggest in saying this that there's like a superiority to either side of the coin. But what I notice about thinking about this is that independent musicians are often self taught. Mm -hmm. They are skilled in teaching themselves thing, mm -hmm. things. Uh, and in that weird roundabout way, very skilled in teaching, you know, yeah, sure. understanding how teaching and learning might work because yeah. of having done it on an individual level. Right. Whereas there are definitely some people who I think would swear by the sort of the importance of a systematic sort of approach it. to these things. Mm -hmm. And, S systems are cool and like systems of organization are definitely cool, but, uh, it, it could be beneficial to a lot of people. Definitely can be, but there's a, there's an implication there that I, I find interesting and I don't know, like we might end up in strange territory talking about this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe your Texas side will agree. Maybe your Austin side won't, I don't know. But, uh -huh. um, what I'm also thinking about a little bit is like the, maybe the tendency people have to give, uh, that level of authority to something like the state, you know what I mean? And be like, if That's it isn't state issued education, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. then it's not real education right. kind of thing. Which yeah. is like, well, maybe that's not always true. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I think there's, you know, there's a, was it a thousand ways to skin a cat or whatever. It right. is. Yeah. There's, you know, if the end goal is you being good at what you do, if it's a system that gets you there, great. If it's you just sitting in front of YouTube for a couple hours at a time, great. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, we shouldn't, either side of it shouldn't be discounted because of the, the way they took to get to where they're at. I mean, um, you know, one of my good friends now, a few of my good friends now, actually, like most of the people that I know out here that I call my friends, 
are teachers also because that's kind of why I moved out here was to take the job. So I'm working in the school, you know, all my like work friends and stuff. And outside of that, friends uh, tend to be also teachers of some kind. And, uh, you know, and, and most of them, or in, in a few of them at least, it was this, there's, they've been on this kind of journey of like rediscovery or like self-actualization when they spent all of this time, you know, nearly a decade getting a, a couple of degrees mm. and a teaching certificate come to find that they just have more fun when they make their own music and not play a 200 year old piece of classical or something like that. And, um, being the, you know, rock and roll kind of guy, I'm like, yeah, that's great. Do more of that. Like do more of that self exploration, do more of that, like original music, do that. Because I, th I think that that is, um, much healthier to you as a person than it is to learn the standards and that's it and play the standards mm -hmm. and that's it. And, you know, okay, sure. We're improvising over standard pieces of music. Um, that is, I think it, to me, it's like, and I've been talking with some of my friends about this too. It's like, how many cover songs should you learn? Um, because I think that that's, that's kind of, uh, where some of our conversations have been lately because it's in that kind of realm of like, you know, do you go the systematic way and like going to school, learning covers, or do you do it where you don't go to school, you don't learn the covers and you just learn yourself, mm. you write original music, you just do it how you want to do it. I kind of got to a point where I'm like, I think it should be kind of like an 80, 20 to original music. 80% and 20% covers. I think that's a really good spot. I think you should learn a couple of covers. I think you should learn a couple classical pieces of music or a few opera pieces or whatever it is you might be doing. I think you should start with that because that can give you that kind of foundation of dexterity on an instrument or song structure in the process of doing it. But I think you just kind of get to a certain point where, um, you know, I don't really want to be a, a jam band. I don't want to be a cover band. I want to, you know, be me. I want to sing my own words, whether people like them or not. And that could just be like, you know, uh, individual mentality. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think those kind of conversations are in the same realm of like, yeah, you know, learn a little music theory, but also like, don't learn so much music theory that it takes you way too long to put a piece of music together. Like if you can just sit down and write a thing, shit, if it sounds good, it sounds good, mm -hmm. you know, toss the book out the window, like, oh, but you're in this kind of mode and you're playing this specific kind of thing. Oh, and you did a key change. Okay. That's <laughs> Thanks for explaining it to me. Cause now I can tell other people sound like I know what I'm talking about, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting conversation, uh, that, that kind of, yes, how, it is. how much school, how much covers, how much should you learn of other people's stuff? Yeah. Before you kind of become your own artist. And, that, and that's also like so much of what we do is artist development and like the and uh, the notes for notes stuff. And even I mean, just shoot personally as an artist, like that kind of like be you in the music that you play. Yeah. Do a cover. Do it in a different genre, at least. Let's do, you know, let's do let's do the the Nelly song as like, you know, reggaeton or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, let's do something different. Yeah. Thing about what you're touching on, you know, is, is the, 
is an important important part of uh, of the that's like a part of the learning relationship with music, mm-hmm. whatever. And not only one thing that that crossed my mind while you're talking about it is that you know these people that are studied in classical music or in old time music or whatever came from an original originator came from an original creator somebody mm-hmm. who was doing what you're talking about sure, and sure. pursuing one's own vision and mm-hmm. not just recreating things but another thing that crossed my mind is that we we spend a good 16 20 years consuming music before we ever really start to make it sure you know so like whatever so so it might be that there's a hard line between if you're sitting there reading in a textbook you know, the history of some piece of music and knowing the notes that are on the piece of paper that tell you how to recreate that piece of music. Mm -hmm. It could be that there's a hard line between that and listening to the radio and hearing a song and having a sense of how it functions. Mm -hmm. But I kind of subscribe to the idea that there's not a clear line between those two things that like being like familiar and mastering the sound of music or whatever is done in a lot of different ways. Right. Done throughout our whole lives. Right, you know? right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's that kind of thing of, um, who has it? Uh, Victor Wooten said that you learn how to say milk before you learn how to spell it. And so mm-hmm. kind of when it comes to music education, it's that same sort of vibe. I mean, you're absolutely right. You spend, you know, more time listening to music than you do making it for a certain period of time. I mean, shoot, even... Now I probably listen to more music than I make nowadays too. I mean, there's all, almost always music on, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know I don't think that there is like a clear line of like when you should read the book versus when you should just listen to the song. But there, I do believe that there is like an inherent understanding of music in all people. Mm. Uh, you, everyone knows how to play an air guitar at least. You know, and you may have never even played a real guitar ever before. Tons of people sing in the shower or in the car to the radio, whether you can sing or not. And I think that there is just some, and for everybody it could be different, but there's just a switch that, you know, has to get flipped, I think, and most people to kind of switch between that consuming and understanding into like being an original creator and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I tell the kids all the time, like, you're not about to make a Grammy, like Grammy winning song right now. Let me just put that, you know, you're you're 13. We're, this is your first song ever. Uh, it's going to be OK. Like mm-hmm. if it's good or bad, it's going to be fine. But what I think that, you know, that I think that that kind of process of being bad, you know, quote unquote bad for just a period, you know, for however long it takes you to be good is really important. Oh yeah. It's really, really important to finish a song, whether it's good or bad, finish the song. And that's that. So then we can, then you can listen to your song and take your notes and get better. Um, I probably listen to, I mean, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I probably listen to my own music more than I listen to anybody else's music because I'm I'm just always analyzing like, you know, and it gets to a point where it's like, you know, I'm being way too critical. Like, ah, I should have, you know, I should have uh, Sorry, put a different. Sorry, she's distracting Marble, hey, Marble. Thank you so much. Marb, hey, go lay Thank down. You. Go lay down. Go lay down. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get, I tend to get overcritical at times, though, of course. You know, you listen to the same song a thousand times, you're going to notice all the little 
you know, inconsistencies here and there. I should have, I wish I enunciated that word just a little different or put a different amount of energy into that one sentence or whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that, uh, that that period of just, I mean, it's for like, I mean, what, what craft is that not for? I mean, you, you build a terrible looking birdhouse before you can build like a house house. You know what I mean? And you do it for all of that. I don't know how many times I've like burnt food Mm -hmm. before I realized like, Oh, I just shouldn't cook it so long. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, that's, it's hopefully all of y'all youngins out there and people who feel like you're just playing covers nonstop, you know, it's okay to be bad. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's so important just to suck for a little bit. Yeah, um, and that is indeed true for everything. You know, you think about how we learn sports when yeah, we start at a young age, just, and how stupid, you know, like how how stupid we might feel trying to navigate that. And yeah. like we don't know. Like looking back, I just remember old footage and stuff of of uh, basketball games and like the things I would do to like not admit that I didn't know the rules and stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. and then like over time, it was never your fault. <laughs> yeah. like, of course. Yeah. Also, by the way, very uh, truthful thing that you just mentioned that I know other musicians relate to that seldom gets talked about. But the whole listening to one's own music thing, uh, like on repeat, like that is yeah. a, that is a heavy that is something I definitely do when uh, when I'm sort of studying mm-hmm. whether this thing is done or whatever. I was right. I was just reading about this in Rick Rubin's book about demos and stuff and it made me think about it differently it made me think that maybe i should either record demos more simply or listen to them a little less so that i don't get to because what i find is when i do that process and listen to one like a thousand times in a day Mm -hmm. uh i will fall in love with it and not want to recreate it or whatever or sometimes not even want to add to it Mm -hmm. or whatever um, but anyway, apparently this is a pretty common occurrence among musicians that, you know, just that, listening to your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hope so because that just makes us, I mean, it's like sitting in the gym, shooting free throws for an hour or whatever, you know? Yep. Yeah. You just, it's sure it's the same motion over and over again, but also it's true. Like if you're practicing bad shooting form at the same time, then you're just reinforcing, yep. you know, you not wanting to go back and retract that baseline. Strengthening or, the habit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, the, we'll never be able to put a number on how many times you should listen to it. But there is something, though, in action. You know what I mean? Just, like, finish the song. Like, that's the producer's curse that every... Like, I've known so many people who have catalogs. I'm guilty of it. Have I don't know how many beats I just have in my Google Drive sitting there never to see the light of day because I just won't finish it. Mm-hmm. And there just is something in, like, the action of, like you know what, whatever, it's done. Let's just call it done. It's all my friends like it where it's at. So cool, whatever. Maybe that's what it yep. is. Like maybe, you know, if I need to have like a focus group, you know, listen to all my songs instead of me doing it so much. Every time I've finished a project, I've never after the fact been like, ah, oh, if I would have just spent like another few months or whatever, or another few <laughs> weeks, like I've never... F- I've never looked back and been like, it wasn't done. I finished it prematurely. It's a, like, that's good. You know, I've, uh, once it was done, I was always able to accept the condition that it was in. See, I, I, I learned that the hard way. I learned by releasing music and with regrets, like in the process, you know mm. what I mean? Like 
damn, like he asked me if I wanted to take those vocals again. And I said, no, it's fine. And, you know, uh, or I don't know how many times, you know, you say, oh, that's not bad, but not bad also means not good. Mm. And, uh, or yeah, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, uh, I have released music with like that to me was unfinished and stuff like that. And then I look back and I'm like, damn, well, I guess I got to learn my lesson and just, you know, try to do it right the first time or, you know, just retrack the thing, you mm. know, just cut that one little twang out of that guitar and just, or whatever. Um, there's a doing it right the first time mentality thing that does exist. Mm-hmm. That is, I've noticed it with some of my song Finch stuff. I do, I do song Finch. Do you know song Finch? Is that where you like someone wants a song yeah. about something? Yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, it's weird to do that as an original artist doing mm-hmm. commission stuff. Cause it's it's interesting because in visual art commission stuff, com- I, th- I feel like visuals visual art is treated more like a skill, and it's more normal to do commission stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas music, see that it's, a little yeah. less welcome. Unless and you're like, like in the industry, yeah, as a songwriter, yeah, or and it's like that's what you specialize in. Yeah, I think other artists look at song like artists who do song finish with a little bit of like a hmm, uh, you know, like a like a weird. idea about it yeah (laughs) like it's illegitimate this isn't real art so whatever i do that occasionally and uh i've noticed that when i kind of focus my mind going into a recording session because it is a little painful to record those songs for the reason that i just laid out like it's not enjoyable in the same way that recording my shit is sure sure it's a little more mentally taxing and what i have to tell myself sometimes is okay if you get it if you try to get it right in the first couple takes Mm -hmm. You won't have to do this for an hour. You mm-hmm. can just do this for like 10 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Just get it right the first time through. And True. so I I do that, and it changes the way that I do it for some reason. Instead of this sort of exploratory, like discovering as I go sort of approach to recording, it's more like down to business, get the notes right, nail it, and, yeah. and fucking try to nail it. Yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, a, yeah, I have a similar mentality sometimes. I think... Mostly when I'm coming into a or I'm starting a session or something already with an idea. Um, and I guess like Song Finch, I mean, I, they provide you like, oh, it's my husband's birthday or something like that. Or do they like send you fully blown, like laid out lyrics or anything like that? No, not at all. Okay. Yeah, it's like okay. a. It's like a submission form that a person fills out and you build the story out of it. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely some creative work to be done on your part, but it's not even necessarily for you as an artist. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, there, there is something to say about doing it right the first time. I mean, that's what, that's what we try to kind of in a way instill in the, in the students and my program at the studio is like, let's pretend like the studio is not free. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend. I mean, you've got a home set up, but you know, let's pretend like you and your band just reserved the studio with an engineer and a producer for eight hours or for one hour because it's class, you know, for an hour. So you got to come in prepared and you got to come in practiced and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I kind of preached on it a little bit not too long ago, maybe like two weeks ago. We've got this like jam club that happens after school. And they were coming in for a few weeks, just, you know, just jamming, making up stuff. Uh, And that was cool for a while. And I was like, you know what, guys, like, let's have some output. I want y'all to write some songs. Let's let's do the thing. And so they wrote a song and, you know, for a first song, it was like all of their first kind of original. That's where the territory they're in right now. And 
it, it was cool. Like, sounds good. Yep, first song. So tomorrow or, you know, next week when y'all come in, we're going to uh, put headphones on y'all with the click track. We're going to just get like a scratch, some scratch tracks going so we can just get the idea down and we'll come back to it later. Um, and uh, they came in the next time and like the structure wasn't set necessarily like that because every time we did a scratch track, they played it slightly different. Like w this section of song was a little longer this time and it was a little shorter the second time and it was the right amount of length the third time. And also the way that they were having trouble just playing to a click as you know, probably lots of beginners, you know, should, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, you know, having trouble staying in time and stuff like that, even though it's their song. And so after, after that day, I'm like, so this is why we come in prepared because we just spent, you know, we just spent $500 in the studio and y'all didn't really get what you wanted to get. Mm. So coming in prepared, doing practice and rehearsal are two different things type of thing. Like practice you do at home and then you show up to rehearse. Mm. You, we shouldn't be discussing the structure of a song when it's time to record the song. Mm. Um, at least in an environment, in that kind of environment where you're like renting the studio. Now, if you have a free studio that you know, you're coming to tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, there's much more like lacks in that. Like, oh, I'll just track it tomorrow or I'll just track it on Friday or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's a huge skill, I think, to, like you say, just kind of zone in, come prepared, you know, know the bass line, know the drum fill, and nail it. You know, it might take you two or three times, but that's, that's that. But um, At least try to nail it. Yeah, I think so. I think try to nail it. And if you're, man, dude, nowadays it's so, music is so accessible nowadays. Mm -hmm. Creating music is so accessible now that, you know, it, it's for me and I don't know how, how it goes for you, but, um, you know, half the time I, I like to think I'm pretty quick at putting a song together. Like, okay, I, I'm just feeling creative. Let me just beep and boop some things out and see what comes out of me. Half the time it's garbage. And the other half is like, okay, I might, I might could use this, mm. but you know, what does happen though, is if I'm sitting there in my non-educated self, trying to play some chord progression on piano or something and it's kind of like ah, and, and then it's like ah, and, and no I'm doing it for 30 minutes and then I'm doing it for an hour and I'm not getting it right and then I'm doing it for two hours and I'm still not getting it right what I want then I'm just like frustrated and like okay this is boo-boo I quit mm -hmm. music forever <laughs> <laughs> I suck uh, <laughs> stupid music uh. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely there should be room for error. Sometimes I don't give myself that, but it is nice to be able to, like, knock it out. How do you how do I mean, you're at a studio that is making music that very accessible to mm -hmm. kids. I mean, I imagine you have a positive perspective on this, but I'm wondering as a creative also like I don't I don't even I don't even know how old you are. Are you how old are you? Thirty two. Damn, we're like a year apart. Nice. Okay, so hell yeah, early early thirties clubs. Um, so I don't know. Like I will admit, in my early thirties, coming from the time period that we both did, I think where we both were able to observe, going from probably being teenagers, it was all about live performance. Then like 
slowly there was a shift into where you could buy equipment and you could record at home. Crazy. Crazy quick technology changes that yeah. changed the industry. And then the streaming. World. Not to mention streaming yeah. and Spotify yeah. and all this. like the CDs. CDs. Tapes. <laughs> yeah. All this shit Who? just changed in our the span of our careers right. so far as musicians. And for me, there have been times where I've had a a at least a frustrated view of all of that because mm -hmm. it went from kind of like kind of like what I've I've heard this said about podcasting too recently by somebody. I don't remember who, but it's just the floodgates opened at some point and, and there the, the barrier to entry changed significantly. And now pursuing music is a different thing than I think what we might have both imagined when we were in our late teens or mid teens or whatever. Have you ever I don't know. Have you had the same mixed feelings about whether that was like a net gain or loss? Um, in different areas, yeah, I suppose. Like personally, as a musician, I was like, "This is great. Mm -hmm. I, I I can just do it with a laptop and a MIDI controller. I can go get a cup of coffee and make a song. Like not at home, not in the garage, not at the studio. That that was, I think, to me, really great." Because I also got to a point where I was doing it outside of like having a band and stuff like that. So right. like me being able to just like be at home with my computer and my keyboard and do everything I needed to do, everything I needed to do. That was that was great. I, I do think that there's a couple things that have taken a hit, though. And like you said, you know, lowering like those floodgates opening and it being so accessible I, I feel like has kind of flooded all music with just, you know, everybody and their cousin is making music now. And so, you know, I've heard people say like good music is dead and real music is dying. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's just buried. I think it's like, so it's just this sunken treasure ship beneath the waves of artists that are out there now. Um, that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that, I think that there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of people making music now. And so I think, you know, that, that kind of like, Oh, well I miss, you know, uh, real music is dead. Isn't necessarily the case. I, I also think, you know, for me personally as well, I suppose the thing that's taken the hit is like the camaraderie of creating music. Cause I feel like it used to be this thing where you needed other people mm. and in that needing other people to be around to help you make music, you know, that's some of the best memories I have are me and my band in the garage, no recording equipment, like no laptops or anything, just like writing and creating and, you know, getting too drunk as not someone who could drink and, you know, and just having a good time. And, you know, that I think that still happens. But I think in my in my personal journey, that definitely went away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, then I discovered I could do it all on my own by myself whenever I want. Who needs, you know, who needs a whole band? Uh, we got to schedule each other. We got to, <laughs> oh, but then, you know, the drummer can't make it or something. Um, yeah, so I think there's some there's some things here and there. It's it's pros and cons for me, I think. Um, I, do, I make music all the time by myself now. But also, I think in missing some of that camaraderie, I like doing, you know, collabs. And I like just... That's what's nice about working with the kids, really, is like there's just always other people making music around me, which yeah. is really nice for however good or bad it might be. You know, it definitely keeps those creative juices, you know, flowing throughout the day. And mm. I'm 
I'm a little tired of creating at the end of the day sometimes, you know, so I don't always come home and like sit down and make my own music. And I was telling you earlier, I, I have not made my own music in years, it mm. feels like. And, and even if I was, it wasn't anything that I wanted to put out kind of thing. I was just because I was I was making music for other people from nine to five. And then what? I'm going to go home and, you know, make all my that I'd rather sit and play a video game or something for a minute just to like not music for a second. Yeah. Uh, and there's surely some crazy people out there who would go home and make their own music after that. And I did sometimes, like I said. But again, it was nothing that I wanted to. Yeah, share with other humans. Um, I guess I didn't feel super confident, but it, so it got to a point for me now where I'm like, this is the most I've ever tracked in years. It's the most I've ever mixed in years for myself. It's the most I've ever like written. It's the most I've ever asked my friends, hey, listen to this, tell me what you think, not, hey, look what I made. Yeah. It's just beeps and boops and stuff like that. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been kind of that whole like, technology thing has been kind of i don't know it's been up and down i suppose yeah i would agree man and you know it it is a little intimidating sometimes i think when you look at how many songs come out on online every Insane. single day and thousands dude i mean I, I will admit i i have days where i'm still I, I feel as though i'm still trying to figure out what this all is so Oh, and maybe I could ask you about this. Maybe this will be a good transition. I have so many things I want to ask you, and I'm, I hope I can get through all of them yeah, in one day. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so I've been really trying to figure out my new path. I like, personally, I like having the conflict of having other responsibilities that kind of fuel mm -hmm. my drive to, to make music, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but nonetheless, I'm trying to sort of establish my position as a professional musician a little more solidly and i've been thinking about looking into management i talked to a manager recently and just trying to get an understanding of like where we are now like what is it that a manager like yourself wants to see in order to you know like uh figure out and assess whether an artist is where they should be to to take on management yeah and he was like well you know one thing would be like if they have a couple songs in the in the million stream area, like that would be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I'm definitely nowhere near that. <laughs> and he's like, you know, another thing is like if uh, if they sort of, yeah, if they're in a place where, like, a thing people often say is like if you haven't if you have so much work that you literally are starting to get to where you actually can't manage it, you yourself. just need someone's help. Yeah, yeah. So things like that, and I. I'm not at those places. And sometimes when I'm looking around at the landscape and I'm seeing young, brand new budding artists who just, just started. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the 1 million stream area. And, but when I hit, I'm going to hit 6 million or mm -hmm. something real soon or whatever. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but <laughs> they just seem to understand the way that, they are supposed to utilize all these tools uh -huh. to build their careers. And I will admit, I don't get it. I don't understand how to do it. Yeah, dude. Um, that come, that is just right along with that whole, like everyone's got access now type mm -hmm. of thing is that the university of YouTube is free and they're here's, so here's the way that I look at it back, back in the day when, you know, <laughs> record labels were absolutely necessary for the success of an artist. I'm talking mm -hmm. about like the days of, you know, vinyl and you're singing into a horn or whatever. Right. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, back in the day, like the medium at which people were consuming music was like one way, two ways. That's it. It was the radio. And if you were lucky, you had the record player or something like that. So <laughs> the, the tools that you're using nowadays to consume and create are often the same. Mm. So everyone and their mom is on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all these things. Those are also tools to these young artists success. Like just because I'm listening to the radio back in the day doesn't mean that I understood how a radio works. Mm. You know what I mean? Or doesn't I, I the don't, production I, side. Yeah. That, like yeah. just because I have vinyl doesn't mean I know how it got pressed. So in other words, just to interject, the same person who might be consuming an artist might also be making a video with their kid Absolutely. about their day. The, the way that, um, and COVID I think played a big part into it as well. I mean, it was already kind of underway, but like there's people creating just content period now who never would have created content period yeah. five years ago or, you know, bef before COVID even, or 10 years ago when social media was like really taking off and stuff like that and in a different kind of way. Um, so yeah, I mean the fact that like, so we, we have kids all the time in class, TikToking, doing the TikTok dances, doing hmm. videos on TikTok, not just consuming. And I think it's, like I said, it's kind of the same sort of vein of like, I'm on my phone. I can consume the content, but wait, I can also make the content. So them being able to consume and make with the same tool is absolutely uh, linked to their understanding and how to be successful at it. Wow. You know, I've I'm, never thought about this before. Yeah. So like if just again, I, I, my wife says I give too many examples, but if we go to a concert together, right. And we see this band play, or I'm watching you sit here in this chair and play your mandolin or something like that, that doesn't necessarily give me the immediate understanding on how to do the same thing. But in, nowadays, it absolutely does. When we, the, the basic DAW that we teach on is called Soundtrap. And uh, it's free to use, it's online. So that means that we can be in completely different countries and be sh making in-time, up-to-date changes. When I click save, you see it. And when you click save, I see it and we can do that together. It's free. But most of what Soundtrap revolves around is drag and drop loops from Splice. So all kids know how to drag and drop. Mm -hmm. Most kids know how to copy and paste because they do it for their English papers. You know, they like these are skills that they already have an understanding of. And we just apply it to music. And so you just drag and drop a drum loop. You drag and drop some piano. Now, it's not necessarily original creation but it's original arrangement in a way it's taking how can we take these five thousand loops that everyone else has access to and make something cool and different than everyone else has made sort of thing um so yeah i mean these skills i mean also like i don't know if you know but in schools now a lot of schools are like one-to-one -one with technology meaning every kid has a school issued laptop hmm. there's no more handwriting what uh i remember when they started taking cursive away and everyone's like, Kurt, you never one needs cursive. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, no one writes in cursive anymore except for like my grandmother. And that's like calligraphic. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, these tools, I mean, these tools are so they have them already. When, and so when it comes to music, they know the skills. They know how to use the tools. So when, yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's 
that's what that's why it's so accessible because a laptop and a midi controller you don't even need a midi controller mm. i could get on soundtrap or i could get on ableton or pro tools and figure it out and still make a song with nothing but a computer um i could sing into the laptop microphone if i wanted to and that you know that also too tying into the previous question what we were talking about also like in the um the abundance of new music that comes out every day quality is also you know something that we talk about too because there's this quality over quantity conversation that's been coming up as well in the circle about like can you just pump shit out mm -hmm. or can you just like trickle some great songs out um and nowadays i think there's a lot of folks out there who are just like pump 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 let's just like let's just put stuff out there without really considering spending the time of even mixing it. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's getting to a point, I think, where that stuff is happily consumed. There's a lot of music that the kids listen to now that you're like, that is, they are, the vocals are peaking on purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's what they like. That's what the, the consumer of these youth enjoy that is because it sounds raw. It sounds, you know, like they just did it in their garage. They just did it in their closet. And maybe somehow, I just got the chills, maybe somehow that relates them to the artist a little bit more because we're all in the same position of we just have a crummy school laptop and a $20 microphone, you know. Hmm. And then, you know, then transitioning them from that into the studio, you know, we have to kind of break some of them of like, no, we're in, a, we're in like a really nice recording studio. Like, let's take the time to develop this stuff. Let's take the time to like make this really quality and damn man, you're really making me think a lot. I mean, one thing, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind is the same, the same sort of phenomenon that takes place with YouTube creators, for mm -hmm. example. And the fact that like, like with certain podcasts or there's this guy right now, I can't remember his name, but he's kind of making the rounds as this, he he blew up using content creation to kind of support his entrepreneurship. And he was talking about content creation, his content creation schedules and stuff. He did a talk, maybe yeah, a yeah. TED Talk or something that I listened to about all that. And he noticed that when he would put in the effort and have the editors come in and like do the lighting and do mm -hmm. a really well-produced thing, mm -hmm. it wouldn't perform as well as if he just sat at his computer talking into the camera and and talking to people and yeah of course that's well known on youtube that like there can be there can be some channel some podcast who just is just a is just a kid with his cell phone and yeah. he just makes shit every day yep. and he's got you know millions of viewers every day compared mm -hmm. to some podcaster who uh puts a lot of effort into it and has really good graphics and all this stuff and just it it doesn't have soul to it mm -hmm. yeah and i sure. think that's interesting because on the music side, I think I, I think I can I can see all that on the on the video side, on the sort mm -hmm. of content creation side of artistry. Mm -hmm. On the music side, I think I have more resistance to it for some reason. Probably, are I you mean, a musician first? Yeah, Maybe, I mean that could be like that. I mean that could be it. Yeah, and I'm thinking when you were talking about real music too. I guess what was coming to mind for me was like, there's this pure idea in my head about music creation being being more significant, more important, more priority than, say, the fame associated with it. 
Like you want to create something of value more than you want the, to reap the reward sure. for it. I think that's yeah. what the idea of real music would be. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a part of me that with with something like following popular trends on TikTok or making things for TikTok, making mm-hmm. things for virality sake, I think that makes me question the the caliber of the music for that reason. Yeah, um, yeah, I think a little bit me too. It's just one of those things, I think, where it's just kind of what it is nowadays. There's artists whole getting signed off of songs they put on TikTok. Yeah. And there's and there's artists who are making songs specifically for the platform, too, because they know that I have literally like less than two seconds to hook you. So what can I do? What can I make that's going to immediately hook you musically? Mm -hmm. You know, of course, video is like you said, it's a different kind of thing um but yeah i mean it's uh it's kind of where it all is nowadays is you know i i am interested to see when the first full-length movie is going to be shot vertical yeah absolutely that, that could be a very real you know near future thing where like you know cinema cinema might change now just for a blip you know i i can't imagine going to a movie theater that has a vertical screen maybe maybe someday maybe but you know, that's, that's where, that's kind of where everything lives right now is, is for that 10 seconds, um, to hook somebody, to capture something, attention spans have like, um, in the sense of, you know, consuming, um, you know, attention songs have gotten shorter. I think, you know, like there's a lot of artists that I've been following lately that make songs that are like all less than three minutes, man. Yeah. And it's that type of information, that type of thinking that, for me, it just starts to, it, it makes me reflect on the idea of the self mm-hmm. and trying to be oneself. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what the art shit seems to have always been about, you mm-hmm. know, is like do, trying to do the thing that everybody warned you was the most important thing to do in life, was to try to pursue being yourself. Right. And then when your tendency is, well, I want, like, like for me, my tendency is to still write sort of more literary pieces of music, like longer songs mm-hmm. that take longer than three minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it's discouraged. Uh, it is obviously a bad strategy if what you want is to be circulated. But then there's this this tricky thing where you hear people who love Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they hear that she puts out a 10-minute song and they sort of congratulate her bravery for this 10-minute song. And mm-hmm. you find yourself, I find myself in the middle of these two things, like looking at the most popular artist in the world, looking at the, the mass of all the most popular activities for artists in the world and finding myself just like in between them, like determined to be myself, mm-hmm. but still feeling like it's hard to really find where I belong in this whole picture. Yeah, yeah, um, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know, I try. I try to. Um, I suppose I just try to live in like making the music that sounds good at the time. Right now, you know. So every, yeah, I think every song on my EP I'm working on is like three and a half and under, um, and you know, and it not it didn't used to be that way mm. when I was doing. Uh, my rock band stuff. I mean, we had seven minute songs, like more than one. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, it's just that thing. Like you said, I think 
the pursuant of, you know, being true to yourself is just the most important period, I think, as an artist or just as a person. Um, because, you know, if you're, if you're doing things that you, you know, you feel like other people are going to relate to just to do those things so that other people can relate to you kind of thing. I think that's the wrong way to approach most things. Um, I, I, I tend to lately, I've been kind of relating in a way, um, a lot of the music I make and the creative things I do to like stand up comedy or something like that, uh, where it's just kind of like, that's just you on stage talking and that's that's all that that is and that's like as self i feel like as you can get because that's literally just you up there talking now of course i'm sure there's comedians who just like you know you gotta you gotta work it out you gotta go for laughs whether you think it's funny or a good joke or not sometimes you just gotta you know sometimes you just gotta write a song for somebody else because it's song finch Mm -hmm. um and sometimes you just have to do that uh sometimes but yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, for me, you know, and, and what I try to tell the, uh, the kids and even fellow artists and stuff like that is like, shit, does it sound good? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's all that you need to, you know, if you think it sounds bad, you're probably right. I say that almost every day. Like, hey, Mr. Max, Mr. you know, or my friend, hey, hey what do you think? Well, yeah, how... How do you want feedback? Do you want me to tell you as a consumer, as your friend? Like, are you just looking for me to listen to it or something like that? But yeah, most of the time, like, do you think it sounds good? Yeah, cool. If it's if it's a minute, great. If it's eight minutes, great. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, it shouldn't be the point to like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to go viral. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get a record deal. Like, that might be a career goal, but a personal goal, which I don't think it should be. And the more that the more that I get to hear sort of your perspective, the more I feel like kind of kindred spirits we might be a little bit, um, and just like how much common ground there is. And I'm, I've often on in conversations with other artists tried to notice some of the similarities, and especially the the way that independent artistry is affecting the stand up comedy world, which I think is kind of it's it's really making comedy blossom right now compared mm-hmm. to I think music where. It, 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 well, as we've as we've described, a lot of people I think have have run into the music community and been like, "I can find a place here, yeah. and, and I want to find a place here." Yeah, stand up comedy. I feel like it's almost like I don't know. It's it's the light got really bright on like the 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 most gifted in the in that play mm-hmm. in that uh, craft, and like that craft kind of got more and more refined once these artists learned how to use all these tools to to showcase their voice best and i think i mean i think stand-up in particular has changed and then unchanged i think in the past few years i think it it went through as a lot of things did a, a incredibly thick filter over the past few years um probably 10 at most for different movements, for different levels of viewership now, like more people can access your stuff. So that means more people can be offended. Mm. That means more people can fall in love with you. Like there, there's, I think that, you know, stand up comedy in particular, and, and it relates a little bit to music, kind of took this weird, not like a hit, but like kind of, it survived, but it's got some scars afterwards. And I think music has kind of fallen into that as well over the past, you know, for different reasons, mostly probably the accessibility. Um, 
and like I said, more viewership and stuff. But, I, you know, I don't think music has taken a hit in any type of way, but it's definitely has a different is different now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's such a weird I feel like I've tried to I've tried to notice how music shifts because I have to now working with kids so often. Like, have you ever heard of little someone? Have you ever heard of Bobby? Whatever. I'm like, nope, but I should probably listen to him because <laughs> you are uh, and I need to keep up. Um, and so I've definitely noticed some some change in um, those two those two industries in particular, I feel like. Um, you know, and I think we're kind of coming out of the tunnel in a way. And we're, I, I think, I think positive originality is coming, is coming to blossom mm. right now. I think it is. I think that there was, uh, the whole technological transformation that the world has gone through over the past 20 to 30 years guided people, I think, to, um, Oh, well, that person's famous. Let me do like them. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that that is kind of going away. I think in, from my perspective, I'm seeing a lot more originality and independence succeed for a couple of different reasons, maybe, um, versus, hey, it sells. Let's put that on. Yeah. Hey, hey, oh, you sound just like so-and-so? Signed, because you sound just like so-and-so. <laughs> and I think with in my opinion, kind of the, the slow crumbling of the record label, uh, as I see it at least, and the, the slow upcomings of independent labels and independent artists supporting other independent artists, not just as like friends and homies, but like as like, hey, let's put some money behind this kind of thing. Um, I think there, is, there has been a resurgence of um, a positive uh, reception of the originality that's mm -hmm. out there. There's a lot of really weird stuff that I, I, in certain genres, I've, I've been seeing a lot of just like weird shit that it sounds good and is successful. Um, and I'm excited for that. I, I mean, I guess I'd have to agree to some degree and there there's other, there's some patterns I see that I'm like, interesting and mm -hmm. like I'm not as optimistic about but I will admit I do think that there's been a little bit of a rise of yeah like uh I don't know what true different talent or mm -hmm. like talent being rewarded I think is is what I've started to uh -huh. think that I'm noticing mm -hmm. instead of it just being like I don't know instead of it just being the sensation of something being viral in right. some kind of way or something I it's kind of like I I feel like now again people who have enough talent to produce things over a longer span of time than just one minute. Sure. I think it are starting to be noticed. At least they're starting to pop up in my stuff, yeah. which I'm like, okay, agreed. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's a thing. No, agreed. I think it's, I think in that maybe, maybe what it has, what it boils down to is because the mediums in which people are consuming the content has also shortened. Um, so that allows you to move on to the next thing quicker. Mm. There's not these, you know, three or five minute videos or something that are getting passed around because they're viral now. It's the 20 second video and you literally only get your 15 minutes of fame and then you gotta, you're just, oh, that was so last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so three weeks ago. Um, I think too with that, it's sort of like, I don't know, somebody like, if somebody that comes to mind, 
somebody like um, Billy Strings, for example. Mm-hmm. He's I, we talk about him all the time. It seems uh, somebody like Billy Strings and the way that he uses content to market himself. Of course, he's he's big enough now. It's not the same because he's he's been big for a minute. But whatever. The point is, somebody who might be new to him sees him sees not only his interesting vibe as mm-hmm. a creative person mm-hmm. and his sort of like, hey, I'm bluegrass, but I'm also into weed kind yeah. of thing. They also see he's like really good at what he does. Yes. And you see that once and you're like, cool. But he's memorable enough to notice that if you see him four see or five times, times like, in your oh, algorithm, wow, okay. you're kind of like, okay, this is good enough. This seems reliable enough that I can actually hit the little button. And, uh, you know, I find myself, that's when I follow somebody uh, typically is, the third or fourth or fifth video of the person that I've seen popped up mm. and I enjoy it. Like I, you know, we, I don't follow every video I enjoy you right. know, or the creator of the video. I don't like every video I enjoy, but yeah, as I see, you know, a, a comedian or a musician or just like a visual artist or something who's done, you know, their thing pops up different, a different video, a different thing pops up for me, you know, a couple of times I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I want to see what else, you know, exactly. Just keep up with you. I want to keep up with this wasn't you. like a one and done thing. This person yeah. has more than that. I've definitely, I, I agree. I definitely have noticed kind of talent being more, um, it's just got, it's got staying power. Talent has staying power versus, you know, how many views you have, I mm-hmm. suppose on a thing. And that can, you know, like I said, labels are signing, you know, music from artists from TikTok and stuff like that because they have the millions of views on some videos. But when you go to that person's account, a lot of times, a lot of their videos have millions of likes. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, exactly. They have, you know, because they also, hey, shoot, who doesn't love, yeah, you selling one album a ton is great and all, but hey, if you could sell five albums a ton, that's even better. Even better. That's even better. So <laughs> let's sign that guy. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think that the trend will continue that way. I think that I, I, I don't foresee that this kind of uh, uh, just short form entertainment, you know, lasting too much longer. Um, I think it, it's not going to go anywhere for a while in any like big sense of the term, but like um, it's, it's, it's also just hard to imagine what comes next when it comes to like social media. It's hard to imagine. I feel like, you know, the internet and social media in a way has kind of reached its climax and you know, that's, it's like, at this tipping point, the whole cycle is kind of at this, it's made this full rev, you know, revolution and the internet has really come into form. It's out of its adolescence. Social media is out of its, you know, tweenness. And now it's like fucking social media, you know, and it's just, it's everywhere. And it's, you know, it's what it is. It's a beast. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, the survival of some things. What does survive 20 years from now? I mean, you think about 20 years ago, what was out there as far as like just what the entertainment landscape looked like, you know, 20 years from now, there's going to be a similar difference, if not Mm -hmm. more. I mean, the way stuff changes nowadays, it's like, it's so insane. All the AI stuff happening now. And, you know, you know, it's the AI shit is, is probably the scariest piece that we haven't even touched on. I mean, I, I like, the, the micro nano sort of minimizing of attention and all this, all this crazy shit that, that happens, that has happened naturally with the internet. I think, yes, you're right. It reaches a point where it, it has to be met with balance. Like it can't, attention spans can't just get smaller and Go smaller and smaller going? forever. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
eventually that's what it would be like TikTok videos that are a half a second long. So, you know, yes, I think eventually either outside of the internet or within it, there will be a shift back towards something that's more meaningful. And I think like economically, we're seeing that in different industries like, um, like I feel like I, I know a lot of people who since 2020 have gotten really interested in sort of more traditional, um, things like that their attention to traditional or or let's say lifestyle things like food or like hunting or mm-hmm. their relationship with nature or spirituality all these things kind of got bigger as the internet and their attention got smaller or something so i think it balances yeah, yeah. in that way the ai shit we might be in, tr- in trouble with that. <laughs> That's like a whole different level uh, in terms. And I, I don't even, I'm probably not equipped to even offer many thoughts that you don't already have about it, but I'm, I'm legitimately concerned with our relationship with the arts uh, w- with that in consideration. Yeah. It's been a really interesting uh, introduction that I've had, I suppose with all the AI stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I think that I'm not, maybe as scared as some others are because I think there is that inherent human to human relationship you have when a person creates art. I think that it's, it's one of the most like, you know, um, ancestral kind of just like mother nature's way of expressing itself kind of thing that, that there is. And I think that the AI thing you know, there's already been stories of like a record label signing an AI um, artist and that did not work out very well um, because the AI just, as most AI things end up being, most like chatbots end up being, is it just, it's taking its source from the internet and not from life. And so, yeah. and so a lot of it just turns into like really terrible, it's just saying really mean things. <laughs> And and it's like, yep, another chat bot down. Can't use that one anymore. Sorry, everyone. Our apologies. That didn't go like we thought it would. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and of course it'll develop. It'll get more sophisticated and things like that. But, you know, I think, like I said, like I think that uh, there's just kind of a, there's the beauty of you know the guy on stage telling the jokes or the girl with the piano singing the song there is that like connection and there's something about like um you know there's something about just it's it's natural to us i think the creation thing is natural and i think that the ai thing is gonna fall back more into being a tool to use also um, and not necessarily the foundation of creation that it's kind of becoming like, I know all the AI art thing ha- was really big for a minute. Um, and then, you know, people started posting like that. It's, it's just pulling from sources and rearranging it into something that's like new, um, which is mind blowing first of all, but also, you know, it's not necessarily something that like, I'm sure there's already, if you know, in the underground, the New York underbelly art scene, I'm sure there's some AI art gallery or something like that. If not already, it'll pop up of just like nothing but AI created art. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like the internet, like social media, I think it'll kind of get to this tipping point. It'll get to this point where like, okay, like we get it AI, but also like we want to go back to like beautiful people art stuff. Yeah. I mean the novelty of it must wear off. And so 
I, I like th- like thinking about that Drake and Weekend, you know, AI song that yeah. that yeah. that popped off. The reason it popped off was because it sounded like them, mm-hmm. and because it was like a you know an yep. enjoyable song. But yep. without that sort of established relationship with those artists, I don't think people would have given a shit about that song. You know, uh, like it it, it had to sound like Drake in order for people to be impressed by it. Right. They won't be impressed by it the next time it sounds like Drake. Probably. I mean, it might write a great another great song. But I guess one thing I'm thinking about is like. If if we, if they just put out ten AI musicians mm-hmm. that scientifically sound like how you would want an Americana band to sound like, mm-hmm. or you would want a rapper to sound like, or these different things, mm-hmm. we've we've proven like the AI the AI knows that these are the right voices and that these are how they're supposed to sound. Yeah. That kind of takes away the surprise of the first time that you hear like I don't know who. Like Sierra Farrell or Shaky Graves or or uh, Alabama Shakes, like these yeah. artists that you hear them for the first time and you're like, oh, like yeah. that's what y'all came up with to do, and that's what y'all sound like. And the reason that's enjoyable is because it's people, and like you're you're projecting that onto them. You're yeah. comparing, you're like that. That's your relationship with another person, right? And I don't think when it's computerized in that way, uh, or or designed by a computer, I don't think it's going to have the same effect over the long term. But the productivity, one thing I think I worry about is like right now it seems like we're in a race for whoever can establish their name the widest. And if if somebody like Drake can take an, an established name and then say, okay, well, take this, recreate things for it, then mm-hmm. it's almost like celebrity can become a can become like a like a like a factory output for products that just rake in money rather well, and, than you know i innovation. think without without ai i think it already kind of got to that point mm. you know what i mean i think yeah let's pump. that's a good point record labels aren't putting out nobodies they're turning people into celebrities on purpose you know what i mean and so i, I think it is already there but I, I do i mean i agree though like it there's gonna there is gonna be a time if we're not already like there or really close that like you know, maybe the AI artist won't be the one singing, but will be the one writing the songs. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, you, you'll never know that an AI wrote it. And, and maybe the record label will just come up with some like, uh, you know, fake name for the AI song. You know, John Smith wrote this song uh, or whatever it might be. And people may never know and they may never divulge that information. But, you know, and, and maybe it's like that. Maybe... Maybe it'll get to a point like we'll we'll get to where it's, you know, whether it is AI or not, people will just enjoy it for enjoying its sake. You know what I mean? And maybe that will happen. Uh, Maybe it won't. Maybe, you know, maybe the AI thing won't end up working out for the arts industries and stuff like that. But maybe it will. And again, you know, 20 years from now. Maybe that is that is where we're headed. Maybe it is where it's nothing but AI tools that are getting used to create stuff. And sure, it might be Taylor Swift actually singing the words, but those words are born out of you know a motherboard instead of you know life's experiences and stuff. And could be. We'll see. I guess you know it is still something to say for someone who could sing real good. That's cool. Yeah. You know they could be doing a cover. That's not even their words that they're singing. You know, I mean, shit, that's what it is mostly in the industry <laughs> nowadays anyway. There's, uh, you know, 10 songwriters in a room working on a project together. And, you know, there's something to say about that. But uh, we'll see, I guess. That's a big old we'll see. It I is. I feel like. 
my buddy sent me something about all this this morning, and I wish I could like speak in a more informed way. I mean, he did. He sent me something that was like a another podcast talking about some famous photographer who entered a photography contest using an AI produced mm-hmm. image, wow. and he said the the reason, and he won, and. He said the reason he did it was to see if this contest, which was put on by Sony, right, if like they were would, prepared to deal with yeah, AI art, yeah. if they knew the difference, yeah. and they didn't, you know, and he won, That's and wild. probably because he was famous, you know, um, probably the image was great too, you know. But anyway, the, the impact is a little unpredictable. Like that, yeah. that scenario never would have occurred to me. I didn't think about mm-hmm. the idea of contests and magazines and these things that are perceived to be real or true and how that can fool people. And They're taking you know, our jobs, you know, that yeah. type of, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and I just now, I haven't thought about this, but like the, probably the, 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 the character assassination efforts that could go on with like, if with fake AI images now, mm-hmm. you know, like trying like, Oh yeah. Like all know? the deep fake stuff. The, yeah. Yeah, dude. It, that's, that's more what worries me is, you know, all of a sudden that's me on the news saying some terrible shit. Like I didn't wait, I didn't. Hey, everyone. That was not me. And they're uh, like, there's video. of you. Yeah, no, you it's not. About? That's not even. No, it's not. I don't look like he that. has six fingers. Yeah. You can see. <laughs> see look, 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 look. I just. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it is getting to a point where it's like I just I just saw um, an ad by like you know warner brothers or something and it was nothing but arnold schwarzenegger movies and they've got a fake arnold schwartz like it's the real scenes and stuff like that but they've got his mouth moving like promoting whatever it is that warner brothers has gone or whatever it was it was like a shot from terminator and kindergarten cop and a shot from whatever the the one with danny devito was where they were like brothers or whatever twins yeah there you go and uh yeah and it was like wow like the first time i watched it i'm like how did they uh they probably did that mm-hmm. and you know yeah who that's probably the part that worries me the most the art thing I, you know, I think that, uh, I guess we'll go back to, we'll see. You yeah. Know, I think it's just, I don't, I don't think, I think like you said, the novelty of it all, it, I think that's very real right now. I, th- you know, it, it seems like there's tons of hoopla about it because it, the future is here. Mm-hmm. You know, I can write a whole English paper, but I didn't write it. Um, which I, I'm surprised the kids haven't really caught on to it yet in my, at my school, but Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Wow. Well, so speaking of, of kindred spirits, I probably, uh, yeah, we're going to run out of time soon, probably. Um, one of my, one of my beliefs that remains is that live events uh, still, still reign supreme in terms of musical sort of the, mm-hmm. the camaraderie and the, the, the communal experience around music. One of my bucket list goals, I guess, is to establish a festival, uh, You've you've been establishing festivals. You've doing these things. I would love to hear more about what you've already done and what you're planning on doing in Greensboro. Sweet, yeah. So the the first thing I really got into when I got out here was um, this. It, it used to be called a Kobe, and now it's Ace University, and it's basically it, it's been over the past few years. Um, before I got there, it was just revolving around community and uh, celebrating black excellence and 
you know, putting a big mass choir together and just getting everybody to come out and like, let's just all sing together. Let's all enjoy singing together and providing space and, and, you know, really uplifting, very talented people. And it's kind of morphed over the years into kind of more of like a, a, like just overall cultural conference celebration kind of thing. So we, this past year for the festival, it was, it was about a week long. We did a, uh, three on three basketball tournament with a drum line and food trucks and stuff. And there was music playing. And then we did like, uh, we put on a, a presentation of the Wiz, the Wiz junior, um, by the community theater in Greensboro. We also had like a fashion show. We had a whole day of conference at the Greensboro cultural center where we had a bunch of the rooms occupied by various like panels and conversations. And, uh, we had open mics and, you know, we ended the year with a big, like three hour performance at UNCG's theater, uh, that had, you know, it was kind of like a bit of like an award show kind of thing. We were giving out like awards of excellence to various bands and singers and, um, you know, also dance companies and things. And so that's been, that's been a really cool, um, event to be a part of, you know, coming from, coming from Austin, you know, just, I tried to dive in, look for anything to be a part of, look for things to do. Uh, I helped work folk fest too last year, um, and, uh, made some good friends there and, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Ace University Spirit Week thing, that's been a, a really cool experience to be a part of. And it, it allows me to flex more in the organizational side of things. I'm like the logistics manager and athletic director. So I, I organize the, the three-on-three basketball tournament. And then, you know, for the rest of the festival, I help make sure, you know, the, the tiny desk style room has all the gear they need and that the, the open mic has the gear they need and to make sure we've got all the right people in the right places and that, that type of stuff. So that's, that's the one um and that'll be that's i mean that's like a yearly thing it's free it's you know the ace university is a non-profit so it's all kind of just by like a, similar to nose for nose just like you know good folks coming out and helping put on a cool thing mm-hmm. um and then the thing that i'm starting this will be the first year of little big city festival it's a music and arts festival and really the main objective is to have all the different genres, all different kinds of vendors, just like really eclectic mix of things happen all in the same place. And I think that's because, um, and you know, some people might feel some type of way about it, but I'm doing it anyway, where I, you know, I coming from where I came from, where I'm from, (laughs) we got everything or something like that. Like I was, I think so used to seeing, whatever kind of genre I wanted to see. I was so used to like seeing comedy and music at the same time. I was so used to seeing, you know, a metal band play. I mean, I was doing rock band shit at hip hop shows. Like just kind of, there was, I think more room for just mixing it up just to have fun. And so, you know, when I, when I got here, I kind of noticed that there is that type of stuff, but it's maybe not as much as, you know, other people might like to see. Uh, I think that, Uh, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, leaving Greensboro to go to other cities to do other stuff. Um, you know, and so I, you know, I think having more things in Greensboro or in the whole triad, like more things for people to do that actually like, it gives you a chance to discover something new or shake someone's hand. You wouldn't typically shake like, 
you can get all the gospel music you want, but can you also hear a punk band right after? Can mm -hmm. you also see an R&B artist right after that? And then stand-up comedy right after that? At the same time, drinking a beer? Uh, you know, that, I think that's kind of hard to find. And yeah, there's, there's folk fest, but in, in my opinion, you know, as soon as you say folk fest, that puts a thing in someone's head where a majority of what you're going to hear is folk music. And that can tend to either make people skeptical of going or draw a certain crowd or something like that. And my goal is really, like I said, to just like, if, is it good? Let's put it on. Like, if you sound good, get up there, go get them. And, uh, and I think that that's really important. I think it's, it's, would be exciting for people. I think it's really important to have those types of events because I, you know, especially over what we've all been going through the past few years, um, with the world shutting down and everybody getting so divided and things like that. And, and just the, the climate that, um, you know, we've all been living in for so long. I think it's kind of, it's really easy to like demonize other people. Um, just because there's one thing you might disagree on, you mm -hmm. know, if, if we disagree on a single point, that's it. I don't, I don't even want to know you. I don't want to be around you type of thing. And I think we've gotten, you know, really deep into that hole. And so I think just having something like little big city fest where, you know, who knows who you might bump into and everybody enjoys a good time. Okay. Enough said, let's just have a good time. Let's listen yeah. to some music. Let's have some good food and let's just, you know, let's, let's show out. And, uh, yeah, you know, the way that I kind of treat it is like, I want this to not be the other thing too, is like, I, I don't want this to be a Greensboro festival. I want it to be a festival in Greensboro. I don't, what I have noticed is on a lot of the same bills are a lot of the same performers who are performing at a lot of the same places that they usually perform at type of thing. And, that's why I think that plays into the whole like, well, let's get uh, let's get a folk band, let's get a bluegrass, let's get a hip hop, let's get R and B, let's get everybody, and just put them in front of different crowds uh, because that's good for them and it's good for the people coming to the festival too. Because mm -hmm. you never know what you might like. There's like I said earlier, there's always something to take from everything that you listen to, whether you do like it or not. You should be able to just recognize and congratulate talent. Like just because you don't like country music, that girl can still sing. Like she can still hit those notes. And just because you might not like hip hop or what you know, what hip hop to a lot of people I think, you know, says to them, uh, you know, okay, so what? Was it fun? Was it entertaining? Did you like the bass? Uh get a little more like loosen up a little bit everybody like it's it's fine punk music is good hip-hop is good and that could be just like what i'm guilty of is i listen to like everything I, I there's no kind of music that i turn away really i can you know stand about five minutes of like just the genre of noise but you know that it still gives me good ideas like i like how he played that snare drum you know i want to try that he flipped it over and put a small little symbol on the top of it and played that. That was cool. I'm mm -hmm. going to try that in the studio or something. So, yeah, just taking the vibe of, like, putting putting something together that, you know, everyone can come to that's, that's vague enough for people to check out, but also, you know, cool enough for people to want to stay and come back next year. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like... I feel like you tapped into something that is common around here, which is, like... If you're going to do a thing, like define it 
with very clear parameters. Well, you go here it. then. You do that and you like do that there. limit it, right. put limitations on it. Right, and right. That's great for a lot of things. That's great if you're trying to start a business or if you're trying sure. to like, I don't know, uh, if you're asking for a loan, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's great for you to ex- say exactly Even just to for. get into performing, you know? Yeah, yeah sure. Go sure. to the coffee shop every week and do the open Absolutely. Mic. Yeah. But with something as eclectic as what a music festival can be, which is what we see so in so many of them, especially mm-hmm. the biggest ones, mm-hmm. have the most variety. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no reason not to. And especially around here, like, I don't know why we don't have... Some, some more solutions to that same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to have FuzzFest here. Uh, do you know about no, FuzzFest? We used to have FuzzFest in Winston Salem, and it was it was more fuzz oriented. So it was okay. more indie rock oriented. And they, I think, the last year they did it, they tried a little bit to mm-hmm. make it a little more eclectic. But uh, not only did the festival not last, but it wasn't known for its eclectic features. It was more one vein yeah sure most of them have been one vein mm-hmm. uh in the in the triad area and and it's great to have the jazz fests and the folk fests and mm-hmm. the, the, the and segmented ones yep. but i'm with you man i mean i think that there's plenty of room to have something that is a little bit more of uh of a, of a mixed experience and and likewise i think there is a subtle value to fact is like the internet has has driven people into their little micro tribes mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. other people and they're Often, it seems, walking around in the day, just reminding themselves how much they hate other people more so than <laughs> right. they are, like, like yeah. feeling unified to definitely, them. Definitely. And uh, I think the subtle, the subtle focus on like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to just bond over music and food. You yeah, know, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make it kind of the statement from the jump of like, this there's something here for everybody to enjoy. And why not stick around for a little while and see what else there is? Because, you know, I, I have noticed other festivals like you're talking about FuzzFest where you kind of you just got to get the thing started. And so you start as this thing. And then when you go to try to expand, you know, a lot of times people might not be receptive to that or, you know, that might not work the way you thought. So I'm just like, you know, from the jump, let's just make it as diverse as possible. Let's yeah. let's make it as, you know, um, like uh that's the word it's just something that um well there it went yeah something for everybody to enjoy um accessible for everybody Mm -hmm. and anybody can come and you know and it's not necessarily like uh you know i'm not advertising it as a a family friendly festival but yeah it's for everybody like bring the kids you know i'm not really advertising it as like a let's just sit in the park and you know eat our sandwich and listen to the band play type of thing like i want people to be walking around and and you know mingling with each other and shopping at a variety of different vendors and trying you know shoot maybe you've never had like indian food before but get some you mm-hmm. know maybe you know you're not big on on trying like a vegan burger but get one you never know um and that's kind of the the whole like statement, I guess. Or there's not a there's not a statement. Yeah, just have fun. Yeah, it's just it yeah, sounds it's just simpler fun. than yeah, a statement. Yeah, music yeah. and beer, whatever. Music and a cocktail, like that's good enough for me. So hopefully that's good enough for everybody else. When is this festival? Uh, it'll be October eighth. It's in Greensboro at uh, the Borough Market and Bar. We'll have two stages. We'll have a like a smaller setup inside the bar, and then we're using their parking lot for all the vendors and like a second stage out back. 
and uh, looking at about, it's from like 11 to eight or so. Um, so we're filling up all that time. I've already, the submissions are open right now. If you go to lbcfest.com and you're an artist or a vendor, again, any kind, any skill level, whatever, as long as it sounds good, like submit, and then we'll be like a little short review process. And um, the submissions close J uh, July 1st. So you got about a month or so, a little less than that. And uh, yeah, again, any type of vendor or artist, uh, painting, stand-up comedy, dancing, you know, if you just want to like get up there and talk for a minute, if you got something cool to talk about, you know, let's hear it. And uh, yeah, you know, it's we've got a lot of great talent already submitting and I'm excited. It's very eclectic already. Like we've got punk bands signing up. We've got hip hop artists and R&B and some some country going on. So, Hell yeah, um, yeah, man, it's uh, you know, it's actually I've, I've been pleasantly surprised about um People, you know, for never hearing of this before, for never like all I'm posting on Instagram right now is the logo because I don't have a, you know, I haven't signed up the artist yet. You know, I haven't put the vendors list out and everything mm -hmm. like that. You know, they just know when and where yeah. and that it's vague as hell looking. So, <laughs> you know, I, that's been really nice to see like the kind of the, the feedback that I've been getting from a lot of people in the community. So that's I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great, man. Well, I'll probably, so this episode will probably come out closer to when, I mean, it'll be a couple of weeks, so we should probably um, either get a picture or I'll get a picture from your Instagram or something, sure. yeah. and uh, we can at least, like, when I put out a thing that was like, yo, we want artists on the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, we grew a little bit and, like, reached places, people in new communities, awesome. so I will... Uh, uh, I, I probably don't have significantly more. I probably don't have more reach than you, actually. I probably have less, but we'll at least put it out to my I audience. Have two years of shaking hands reach. That's what I have. <laughs> Pretty much the same. We, I've been doing the podcast for a year and a half. Nice. So it's not been, and it's all digital, you know, so it's nice. not even shaking hands. It's like yeah. digital yeah, passing just, by. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, mm. um, we'll, you know, hopefully help get a little bit of word out. Thank you so much. Anything else, man. And you sign up. You know, I will see, actually. Yeah. I was I was just yeah, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, get signed up. Let the people know. Yeah, definitely mm -hmm. will. Well, shit, Max, I guess uh I guess we're good. Um cool. That was uh I'm glad I didn't have to I think I we've almost gone for two hours, so oh I should gosh. probably let you go. Okay. It was a really fun conversation. That was great, though. man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um thanks for hanging with me and Marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, you put me over here. She's giving us this look yeah. that's like real sassy. And the ears, too. Yeah. Like, I can hear you. <laughs> I can. Well, Max, thank you for your time, man, for real. Uh, thank you for having me. Great talking to you. Alrighty. All right. All right.